This is Crime Connections, and we're your hosts. I'm Jackie. And I'm Leah. Now let's get into it. On July 24th of 1974 in Radcliffe, Kentucky, Cheryl Strother, a 17-year-old student at North Hardin High School, left her summer school class. Cheryl often got picked up by her grandfather after school, but on this day, she never arrived. Her parents reported her missing to the Radcliffe Police Department. On August 24th, a month to the day, a squirrel hunter discovered Cheryl's body tied to a tree at Tobacco Leaf Lake in Fort Knox, Kentucky. Oh my gosh. Now, Tobacco Leaf Lake is an actual lake. It's not like a road name. I saw in a lot of reports that they kept saying road. I googled map the crap out of this. It is mm-hmm. not a road. It is a lake. Okay. So Fort Knox is approximately four miles from Radcliffe, Kentucky, so she wasn't that far away from home. Cheryl had been tied to a tree by her own shoelaces, stabbed 47 times, and mutilated. So her death was very That's aggressive. Yeah. Yes. With Cheryl being found on a military post, the local police turned it over to the federal agents. The case went from the U.S. Army's investigation unit and then to the Federal Bureau of Investigations in Louisville. So to this day, there have no been no arrests. That is really the only information that you will find on this case that people are assuming was kidnapped and then found on this tree, tied up, stabbed, mutilated. Which, if people don't know, being mutilated, mm-hmm. it means they did something to your genitals, mm-hmm. um, which is a very aggressive and very intimate thing to do to someone. It's kind of strange that there's no additional information. The a crime that severe. severe. So because it was and she found was young on an army base, oh. it is very hush hush, very like you don't speak about it. Period. Her family continues to protest and things like that mm-hmm. because it's just unacceptable on the way they're handling it. And they're not updating the family. They're not nothing. That's horrible. It's terrible. So Ken Strother, Cheryl's brother, has been very active in her case. And her other brother, Arthur Milks, was, is also very active. And he was reported saying, as the weeks drug on, I saw mom deteriorate with worry and heartache. Milks said, and I was in the room when she received a call telling her Cheryl had been found. Her screams and cr- her crying was the worst thing I could have ever imagined ever hearing. Ken was 19 year olds Ken was 19 years old and stationed in South Carolina in the US Navy when his sister was found dead. Mm-hmm. He stated when I received the call her body had been found, our whole world stopped living with nightmares about what had been done to her. Stother said he's not positive, but he said there was some talk his sister may have been pregnant when she was killed. Wow. And so is that not disclosed again no. because it's on an army base? My yep. goodness. Yep. He had been reported saying it's just a tough thing to deal with all these years and not knowing any more than we do, he said. So Cheryl was your typical sweet, loyal, fun-loving teenager born in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. She had two brothers, like I had said, one younger, Arthur Wilkes, and her older brother, Ken Strother. Her stepfather was in the U.S. Army stationed at Fort Knox base and then once he retired from the u.s army her parents decided to stay in the area and make radcliffe their home like i said it was only about a four mile drive so it's nothing Mm -hmm. too crazy but they really liked the area so they stayed Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know. It's just crazy to think because the reason it's so hush-hush, which you find this often when things happen on bases, it's just there's kind of like been, see no evil, hear no evil. Like yeah. you don't talk about it. Well, there's else. been a lot of cases and there's been a lot. I mean, now probably even more than it was when this crime happened, but there's been a lot of uproar about how quiet mm-hmm. the army is and how things seem to happen to people on army bases and then you never hear about it again. Yep. It's kind of like the Vanessa Guillen case mm-hmm. where she was found murdered on the base and then that mm-hmm. was it. You know, her family couldn't get any answers. Any, yep. Or any information about what happened to her. Yeah, it was terrible. And then because like with the documentary, I don't know if anyone has seen it, but it's on Netflix. Highly recommend watching it. A lot of women came forward and they were like, you know, this case, because of her family and what they've done for her, mm-hmm. it really made me feel comfortable coming forward and saying, like, these are the things that happened to me while I was in training or on the bases. And, and like, that's this, so this, this. horrible. Because mm-hmm. you're going to do something that you think is what's best for your country. You're going to fight for your country. And, I mean, I have a brother that was in the military, so kudos to all military personnel. But... It's really sad that something can happen on a base, though, and then yeah. you don't really feel as though you have the support, and your loved one woman. that died is mm-hmm. just kind of brushed yes. off. Yes, 100%. Honestly, like I said, there's really not much other than this case because they're being so quiet about her case, and they can't get any updates. They can't even get a caseworker or who's on the case. They cannot get any information. And so there are a lot of theories. So after a 2009 story on the unsolved case in the News Enterprise, a retired FBI special agent, Tom Becker, revealed in the follow-up story that he knew who killed Strother, though he couldn't prove it. He was assigned to the case in 1974 and told the paper, I know who did it. He said then in an article, I just don't have the evidence. So I don't know how they don't have the evidence. Like... There but how could he come something. out and say that he knew who killed him? I can't prove it. I don't know. That's just that's a very bold statement mm-hmm. to make and then not really be able to follow it up with who did it. Yeah. I personally wouldn't come out and say, well, I know who did it, but I just can't prove no, it. No, because it looks so, like, you. one, you look terrible saying that. Yeah. Two, you're that giving poor the family. family false mm-hmm. hope. Like, go say that to the family, maybe. Privately. Yes, privately, and say, hey, this is what I have, but it's not enough. Mm-hmm. And then let that be between you guys. But to yes. come out and publicly say it is not acceptable mm-hmm. to me. So then Mary Becker, Tom's ex-wife, had also come forward and said a few things. She said that Tom followed a soldier who once was stationed at Fort Knox all the way to Texas, where he was assigned. She said that he discovered blood on the front seat of the soldier's vehicle that was before DNA, of course, she had said. So then Mary also had said that her and her sons never heard Tom say anything about who the mm-hmm. suspect actually was, but she did mention that she heard him multiple times say that the suspect of Cheryl's death was someone Cheryl had babysat for, so like the father, the father. of the children. Oh. I tried looking into this a little more mm-hmm. and seeing if maybe on what's web sleuths, you know, like someone would come forward and be like, oh, she mm-hmm. babysat for these people. Well, it's probably a military family. Mm-hmm. So. Because you know, her stepdad's in the military. Mm-hmm. So it only makes sense that they have military people in their lives, multiple mm-hmm. people, friends, yep. family friends, things like that, that are also in the military, especially mm-hmm. living that close to the base. So 
no one has said anything that I could find on WebSlows of who she babysat for, but there's that. So then Mary also, Mary Becker, Tom's wife, the FBI agent, also said that he worked on the case up until 1984, and then that was kind of it. I think he got to the point he couldn't work on it anymore. I think yeah. he retired or he he passed well, away or something. Well, there's only so much that you can do. Especially unauthorized. Yes. So some things that I could think of could have happened is, one, could someone who knew Cheryl's stepdad come after her in some revenge type of scenario? Yeah. Um, especially because it they did bring her back to Fort Knox. Yeah. So, like, that kind of would make sense. Um, or could someone have met her at a work party or a cookout and scouted her out yeah. and kind of like that one. Oh, I like the way she looked. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you really never know who you're surrounded with. Unfortunately, they could have even scouted her out and in a way groomed her mm -hmm. to exactly. trust them. Yeah. yeah. Because then he's like, well, you can, you know, this person could have groomed her and then had her babysit for his children yeah and then got her pregnant and once he found out she was pregnant that's gonna blow his whole yeah. entire career yep and he could have brutally killed her yeah you know there's i mean that's like the murder was very like you said was overkill overkill mm -hmm. passionate yeah for sure very personal yeah usually mutilating one's body is not something well 47 times being stabbed that's takes a lot yeah. and that person has to be very strong yep because that's a lot, a lot. of muscle. Mm -hmm. So the other theory with the person that she was babysitting for, if this is true, could they have had, like we said, a secret relationship and accidentally got her pregnant mm -hmm. and then kidnapped and murdered her because he was mad? You know, like we said, 47 stab wounds is a lot and that's not easy. So I did some research on overkill because I came across a research paper on this very topic and I just think it's really interesting so I'm just going to read a little bit that I found out because, you know, we always hear the word overkill, but what does it really mean to the FBI? So originally overkill was a behavior that the FBI had associated with a disorganized offender. Disorganized offenders are known to present a chaotic and non-sophisticated crime commission process by perpetrating violent, impulsive, and spontaneous attacts using a course of approach strategy. So like a blitz attack, okay. you know, things like that you know, against acquaintances or randomly selected victims. So they're very random and they're, like I said, a, like a blitz attack type of situation mm -hmm. where they kind of, you know, where you go and kidnap someone and then you brutally murder them. Yeah. Sort of like that. So these offenders are also characterized by the commission of ritualized behaviors based on fantasies, excessive mutilation of the breasts and genitals, as well as postmortem sexual activities. Now, they don't, there's no evidence that I know of that's out there mm -hmm. that she was sexualized after mm -hmm. she died. That's not out there, but I mean, it could have happened. I don't know. The presence of overkill behaviors in disorganized sexual homicide was motivated by the victim's depersonalization as well as the emotional intensity at the time of the crime. More recently, this association was questioned as the results of several studies suggested that overkill was more likely to be associated with an organized process as well as one of its subcategories the sadistic sexual murder now this makes a little more sense mm -hmm. for our case yeah um and this is you know progressing as the years go on so these the study is from like the very beginning to kind of 
more recent. Well, and as you stated in the very beginning of the case, she left her summer school class and just didn't arrive to her grandfather's car. It really fits that theory that she knew the person that mm-hmm. took her because mm-hmm. she, in broad daylight, leaving school, somebody would have seen something. But if she was getting into a car with somebody that she knew, yep. that she trusted, it's, it's very possible. way easier to get away yep. with something. Yep. Mm-hmm. The angry retaliatory rape murder identified by Keppel and Walter in 1999 presented evidence of overkill and matched the organized crime commission process. According to the authors, these offenders planned both the sexual assault and the overkill. So I have never really heard this much about this. Me either. Because I feel like in typical FBI shows, you just hear about Mm -hmm. overkill, which is very disorganized, very angry. Yeah, you just get the It's like them losing it. Yeah. So I just thought this was really interesting, and I don't know, I guess... Like, this is me. That there's different, there's like subcategories of it. Yeah. Yes. In these cases, the overkill is motivated by anger against a woman who belittles, humiliates, and rejects the offender. Similarly, have revisited the organized and disorganized classification and showed that overkill was more likely to be associated with the controlled instead of the impetuous sexual murder. So, controlled, organized, or. Mm disorganized pretty much these offenders were also more likely to control their victims use a con strategy as their method of approach and to penetrate the victim so that could easily be oh hey i'm picking you up i need you to watch the kids for a few hours like let's go Mm -hmm. and then he controls her by tying her up she can't get off out of the tree situation Mm -hmm. um it could have even been, I know that they think she was pregnant, but they don't know for sure. But in a way, she could have maybe rejected this guy as well. Like mm-hmm. maybe he did try to advance on her and mm-hmm. she was like, no. Or if I'm, she was pregnant, she could have easily been like, I don't want to have this baby with you. Like yeah. what? And he could have suggested, oh, let's run away. Let's there's go do this. There's a lot this. of different sides. We'll have a life. That. Yeah. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a million scenarios that really could have happened. So. Continuing on, organized sexual murders are known to be more likely to use specific strategies to try to avoid police detection, which this makes a lot of sense. Mm So Beauregard and Martineau in 2016 tested this assumption and added overkill behavior as a characteristic of the organized crime commission process. They found a positive relationship between the evidence of overkill and the ability to delay police detection. This finding suggested that some organized sexual murders perpetrated overkill to prevent the identification of the victim's identity. I want to say, when okay, so if you go on, on Google Maps and you look up the location of this, it is in the middle of nowhere. First of all, because I feel like it's so close to the base, you can't even take a Google car down there. You can't. The, so you can't even see. You can't even see where she, the, crime the area. Scene. Correct. Lord. Second, it is when I tell you it's in the middle of nowhere, I mean, you are surrounded by, mm-hmm. like, trees and fields, and it's in the middle of nowhere. It's very secluded. Correct. And so only a person that's really familiar with that area... Would even find would, her body. Well, and to make sure that they're, well, that they're performing that murder on a military base, knowing that it would probably be kept pretty hush-hush, knowing the area, knowing a good area to put her where they wouldn't be disturbed. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's not just a random act. Yep. By a random person, I don't exactly. think. Exactly. 
And now that all these studies have come out about this overkill, Mm -hmm. this person could be very organized. And what are you when you're in the military? Organized. Exactly. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, there, it it fits a lot of the, what happened in the the case. case. Yep. So yeah. So while looking into this case, there are a lot of mention of a few family members that were very active in Cheryl's case. Melissa McGrew of Elizabethtown, a third cousin of Cheryl Lynn said that she may hire a private detective to look into the murder. There never has been an arrest correlated to her death. Melissa Cheryl's cousin has also started a petition and trying to get some attention from the FBI. I'll link it for you guys. If you feel the call to sign, we do recommend it. I signed it and it does have quite a bit of signatures, but unfortunately this also was a few years ago. So I don't know if signing it would really help still, but I still did it just in case they want the DNA run through the system again, because it hasn't been run that they know of since the time of the, you know, since the time of the murder so with all this time and new advancements in dna testing there could be a hit for sure are they just not running it probably because it was a military base i think so okay so arthur milks cheryl's youngest brother said that it's been about 20 years since they last spoke with anyone investigating the case 20 years and they have not heard a single thing and they cannot contact anyone that's crazy they're contacting and not getting any response so that's why her cousin then went forward and tried doing the petition. And that was in, I think she started that in 21. So it's quite a bit of time after she passed mm-hmm. or was murdered. So over the past four decades, there have been so many advancements in technology related to criminal investigation, Milk said. So often you read articles and see television programs of homicides that were solved because of this new technology and the process that they have now. And we can't get help but wonder why no one has been applying these advancements to cheryl's case yeah that's how they found the golden state killer was through the dna mm-hmm. i mean it just even the dr no case yes. that's how they found the dna i agree with her brother why is none of this new technology being used for anything that they found for her case exactly yeah and it's just so disheartening to hear this family is reaching out multiple times begging for help mm-hmm. and no one's responding to them. no one's even giving them the courtesy oh we're looking into it like no one they're I mean, just ignoring them yeah hoping that maybe they'll go away that's really sad. or pass yeah and, and not to be morbid but that's probably what they're hoping for he truly believes that the fbi has given up he said he is angry about the lack of communication in the case which rightfully so a group of her classmates from the north Hardin high school have also come forward and said that they won't give up the search for answers they met for a reunion and began talking about her death They have been using social media networking websites like classmates.com to contact other former graduates in hopes of developing new leads. The website has links to to North Hardin Junior High School and North Hardin High School and both have information from all of her classmates. Mm -hmm. So they're all like communicating, trying to get some answers or trying to get some eyes on the case. Yeah. So to this day... Her case is unsolved, and to me, I would consider it a cold case. It It has been 49 years since her disappearance, and they have no answers. So, obviously, if you have any information, if you know any of the family members, I did try reaching out to them multiple times. Um, They have a Facebook group, and they read my messages but never responded. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just been too long and they're tired. Yeah. You know, or I don't, I don't know the case, but unfortunately they did not respond back to me. And so I didn't 
I wasn't able to talk to them specifically, but I did do as much research as I possibly could. And because this is now not a local police department looking mm-hmm. into this, this is like the government looking into this. I just don't think anything's going to happen. No. Not unless someone comes forward and I just, it's very unlikely. So like I said, if you or anyone knows any information, please contact the Fort Knox police department at 502-624-6847. Unfortunately with this case, this is not a cold case unit. There is no one still looking into this case. So the only one I can direct you to is the Fort Knox police department. I don't know who, no, there's no one connected to the case anymore that I can find. So, so they've just kind of buried it and they're yes. just letting it go. That's and I'm really hoping sad. if, you know, if someone does come forward, which would be amazing, mm-hmm. they can direct you to the correct person or right. they can take your tip and direct it to the correct person because on social media, there's no one connected to this case, like government wise. As always, thank you for listening to Crime Connections. If you would so kindly please follow us, share, and go like us on Facebook at Crime Connections or follow us on Instagram at Crime Connections Pod. If you have any news, tips, or cases you want us to look into, please feel free to email us or DM us. We truly do love hearing from you guys. I don't know. We always get a kick out of it and we love it. So we do appreciate you. And thank you guys for listening. Bye.